Hey, good morning, church. We're in a season of December, a season uh, many of us call Christmas. Some people call this season the season of Advent. It goes back hundreds, maybe thousands of years. And what Advent means is it's waiting. It's waiting with anticipation. Maybe you grew up in a faith tradition that's celebrated Advent. There are many churches of a number of different branches of Christianity who've honored kind of what we call the Christian calendar, where every December it's more than just a Christmas day they celebrate, but there's this season of being reminded how the people of God have waited for things throughout the years. Have you noticed how much waiting happens when you read the Bible? People wait for the promises of God to be fulfilled. Even when there's the birth of Jesus, it There were people who had been waiting for a Messiah, for this fulfillment, this promise of God for for hundreds of years. They had been been waiting. Do you know anybody in your life who has ever asked you that you would pray for them to be a person who waited better? Like, do you know anybody who's ever, like, set a goal, a New Year's resolution, that this year I want to be better at waiting? People don't go to school to learn how to wait like you don't ever, there's no ambition in your life that I want to be a professional person who knows how to wait well. We don't like to wait for things. Yet you look throughout scripture that in the story of uh, Exodus, you had people in Egypt who waited over 400 years for God to deliver them from oppression. You have David who waited 40 years for the promise of God for him to become king to come to fruition. You have Abraham who waited for years uh, before a baby was given to him. You have people who waited in Babylon, all this waiting. And then you even think about in the last few hundred years, people even here in our own country. Okay, so do you mind sitting with our children this morning? (laughs) My dad called me out one time in a sermon. All right, that's all it took. Thank you. Um, (laughs) You have people who waited throughout the Bible, parents who wait sometimes for things too, right? Um, There's just a lot of waiting. Um, you have people in, in America who've waited for equality, who've waited for justice, who've waited for laws, who, who allow them to have dignity res- restored to who they are. Uh, maybe you've already heard the news. Yesterday, our, our friend Don Litton uh, passed away. Um, funerals will be this uh, Wednesday at 1 o'clock uh, here at Sycamore View. Uh, but Don served as an elder in this church for a number of years, and just a few weeks ago was told he had a few weeks to live. And there are times where I go and I visit people in the hospital and uh, they don't know if they're going to make it or not, but because of either uh, pain meds or whatever's happening in their life, um, I'm not able to talk with them about what it's like to know that your day is coming. I I mean, I guess for all of us, our our days of living on this earth are drawing to to an end. Uh, they're, They're coming for us, right? We're getting closer to that day, but... But there were some interesting conversations with Don the last few weeks of just, I mean, I sat with him and, and, and I talked. I was like, man, you, I know that you know you only have a few weeks left. I mean, you may not see the, the Memphis Grizzlies win the title this next year. You may not live to see that. I mean, it's going to probably happen. But, uh, <clears throat> but I just started asking questions. I'm like, what do I have to lose, right? Like, like Don, you know that the chances of you making it to Christmas aren't likely. Every time I would visit him, he would... His health was, was worse, his voice was softer, yet his mind, I mean, he was, he was still thinking. And I was able to process death and life. And one time I said, man, it's like you're, you're waiting for the end, but are you scared? Uh, and, he, and he just had this grin on his face. He's like, I, 
I'm not scared because I know the prize that, that awakes me in the end. You know, I want the best for Betty and the grandkids and my daughter, but I'm not scared. Uh, and to be able to process with him what it was like to wait for the day that God welcomed him into his kingdom. And it gave me things to pray for. And the last thing I asked him, I said, man, look, I'm 36 years old. I'm half his age. He's 72. I said, I'm half your age. And if you could push me, you get one last challenge for your preacher, what would it be? And to hear him just challenge me about obedience to God and wherever God calls, I need to go. Simple reminders, get those reminders that I'm going to have to stand on for, for the rest of my life. And I know that some of you have been waiting for a long time for the promises of God to be fulfilled in your life, for breakthroughs, for liberation. Uh, there t- I don't think any of us wait well. Have you ever, like, ordered a new appliance and you get the call the day before and it's like, hey, we'll show up tomorrow between the hours of 8 and 4? And you're like, and you shrink that window somehow, I have a life to live, Right? Do you like waiting in line or waiting on the phone more? I don't know about you, but we, we, we don't wait well. And I don't want to minimize waiting because I know some of you this week, you're waiting for results. You're waiting for marriage to happen one day. You're waiting for children to come. You're waiting for children to be awakened to how good God is. You're waiting for a relative to come to know the Lord. You're waiting for liberation, you're waiting for a job, you're waiting to to get out of bankruptcy, and and all the things that keep us waiting. Waiting for the fulfillment of a promise of God. Have you ever been at a time in your life when you desperately want the fulfillment of a promise to come within an acceptable time frame? Because we don't do very well when the response we get from God is, I need you to wait just a little longer. Now's, Now's not the time. What are you waiting for right now in your life? And let me say it just a little differently because we're going to have tables where we can move in a moment to express things we're waiting for. Maybe the better question isn't what are you waiting for, but if God came to you today and God said, what are you waiting for? How would you answer that cry to God? Because when it came to the birth of Jesus, waiting is a word that shows up a few times. In Luke chapter 2, verse 25, it talks about how Simeon, this prophet, was in the temple. And he was waiting for the fulfillment of Israel. In Luke chapter 3, verse 15, you have John the Baptist. and, And what's expressed there is the people were waiting with expectation for the kingdom of God and the fulfillment of God to come. Whenever in, in your life today, whenever you find yourself waiting for, for things, for, for promises of God, for fulfillment, whenever you find yourself waiting for anything in life, know that you are in the company of the saints who have gone on before us. Because if you were to reflect on the people throughout Scripture, whose names show up over and over again, whose, whose lives weren't perfect, but people that we that we honor, people like in Hebrews chapter 11 in the Hall of Fame of Faith, these are people who at some point in their life, they had to wait for the movement of God, the fulfillment of a promise, the activity of God. And maybe one of the best things we can do today is for you to look to the person to the left and the right, even if you don't know who they are, and for you to lift up this prayer for them at some point in this worship service, that God in this person's waiting, do not let their face turn from you. To reflect at some point, even in communion or this morning in our prayer time, that God, in my waiting as I wait for things, don't let me turn my face from you. Um, 
And I wanted to be really careful how I say a few things about waiting this morning. Uh, because there's part of me that wants to teach and some of you to receive that sometimes the beauty and the prize of waiting isn't in the fulfillment of the promise, but the prize is that God joins you in the process of waiting. And I know for some of you, you're like, man, I've been waiting way too long, and I know God is in the process, but I want God to bring something to fulfillment. And and I want to pray that for you. I think we need to pray that for each other, that whatever it is that you were crying out for in your life, if it honors who God's character is and what His Word says, it's something we want God to bring to fulfillment in your life. Yet, sometimes the best thing we can pray for people who are waiting, waiting for peace, waiting for a job, waiting for marriage, whatever it may be, is that people will have this overwhelming sense of the abiding presence of God that joins them in the waiting. The book of Matthew begins with Jesus being called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the book of Matthew ends with Jesus saying, I am with you always. It begins and ends with this promise of the presence of God that that does not want to forsake his people. And, and, And are you at a place this morning where you can receive that in your waiting, the prize is... That, that God joins me in this waiting. He's not just on the other side waiting for me to arrive or holding a gift until I get there. He's with us in the waiting because in the moments of my life when I've been in the waiting, it's not just that I'm waiting for God. I need the strength of God to help me wait well because if God's not giving me strength to wait well, then, then this time frame that I love to place on God, I will, allow, I will begin taking life into my own hands, which never works out well. Yet I also want to teach this morning that when we wait, we're waiting for God, we're waiting for promises of God, we're waiting for character to be formed, we're waiting for liberation, that we, do, we are not people who are called to sit idly by waiting for the movement of God, but what is it that you can do in your waiting to work towards the promises of God being fulfilled in your life? Um, all right, so last week we set up a couple of tables and I had you go and write where you want light to break into your darkness. Uh, And 18 of you responded. And those were 18 prayers that we took in front of our staff on Monday. The elders have had them this week. For those who left names, I think I've been able to contact all of you just to let you know kind of what you wrote, but also that we're, we're praying specifically over whatever it was you give. We take these things seriously. And I want to provide a space, and we're going to have about six or seven minutes where we're going to sing a couple of songs, and you're going to hear the Word of God being read about waiting, that we have these tables and pens and paper out again for you just to express, is there something in your life you're waiting for that we can pray pray over, and we, we ask for you to move here in just a moment when we begin to sing. But I want to leave this with you as we sing a couple of songs that call us deeper into the heart of God that's going to be a slower pace a pace for reflection and contemplation. Uh, Because a couple of questions hit me this week that sometimes what I lift up to God is, God, will you please give me your promise? God, whatever it is, uh, will you give it to me? And, And sometimes I feel that the response of God to me is, there is something I would love to give you, but you're holding on to too many things in your life. You're not giving me any room to, to place it inside of you. And, and there are sometimes things that we have to set down or let go of 
in order for God to give us what it is that he promises. So maybe this morning, it's God who is waiting for you to let go of an unhealthy emotion, for you to let go of a behavior, of an addiction, for you to let go so God has some room to work with in your life. So can we try this? Can we, can we pray this? I speak this over to you, over you, and in prayer time, maybe you can speak this to God. But don't let your waiting strangle your stirring for God. Let your waiting stir your affections for Him. Can we stand together? We're going to sing a couple of songs. Can I get a couple of elders who will go and just stand close to those tables? This isn't a time we're asking people to come forward. We're only asking for movement to tables right now, but I would love for an elder to be by those tables if you are in need of a shepherd of this church to pray with you. And can we bow our heads? And God, we create this space now where we sing a couple of songs, we hear your word being read, and we simply just create this atmosphere and we ask for you to move in it. I don't know what it is you want to do in the lives of individuals or in this church, yet we ask God in, the, in a prayer of Psalm 83 that in this moment that you will not be silent, that you will not be still, that you will not be quiet, but that you will move uh, in our lives and in this moment. In the name of Jesus. Hey, open your Bibles to John chapter 1. I'm going to take about 10 to 12 minutes to do just a little teaching. Uh, So we're in a a series, a four-week series that we have called um, Word Became Flesh. Uh, uh, What I want to do over these four weeks is to walk you through John chapter 1, where it's really not a birth narrative, but there's all this imagery about how God came into the world uh, through Jesus. And you can't honor the birth of Jesus without acknowledging the waiting for over 700 years that they had been waiting for this Messiah. Listen to John chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. I just want to focus on these few verses this morning. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. And the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Uh, Did you know in John chapter 1, the name Jesus is not used until verse 17? So you have John, who's John the Baptist, whose name is mentioned. The name Jesus doesn't show up until later on in the chapter, yet all these images and metaphors are being used to describe who Jesus is. He's called the Word early on in John 1. He's called the Light. He's called the True Light. Yet you have this guy named John, and and the Gospels take seriously what John the Baptist, who he was, what his mission was. Some of you, especially those of you who grew up uh, in some kind of VBS, am I still on? Am I good? Okay. (laughs) I just, I don't know, maybe maybe my mind's playing tricks on me in December. What we know about John the Baptist, especially those of you who grew up going to like VBS and stuff, is like, this is the dude who ate locusts and ate honey, right? Like his diet was like that of Bear Grylls. If you don't know who Bear Grylls is, just Google him, all right? Watch his show. He's a, this guy who goes out on these survival journeys and eats all kind of weird stuff. And I just hope one day in heaven, like we don't have to revisit some of these stories and then eat the menu that they ate. However, if they wrap some locusts in bacon, at least Mark Taylor and I will partake, right? Bacon wrap, you name it, I will eat it. 
But, but this guy like, held locusts and poured honey on it, and that was his diet. He dressed in weird clothes. Yeah, one thing you learn about John the Baptist, this guy had a powerful ministry. It, it was this influential preacher who preached the hundreds, if not thousands. And his preaching had, had an impact. Like So many people were being baptized because of John's, because of his ministry. He was a preacher, a minister, a prophet who spoke in front of people. And the masses, they paid attention. He was popular. He had fame. He had an audience. He had a platform. There's so many things he could have done with his ministry. But you know what made his ministry so powerful? is he understood who he was in God's plan. He was confident in what his role was in the plan of God. And he was just a light. He wasn't the true light. He was just a light. Most lights that you have even in your house, at some point they will go out. It's strong when they're on. Light defeats darkness, but light bulbs fade. Candles go out. Most lights flicker at some point. They go out. They don't work anymore. They're kind of like those smoke detectors in your house. I don't know about you, at least for me, light bulbs seem to work kind of like smoke detectors. They always quit working at the time when I, like when I don't want them to quit working, like 1.30 a.m. is when they decide to to go off. Um, Lights flicker and they fade. But John the Baptist came as a light pointing to the true light. He paved the way. I love how Eugene Peterson puts this in the message, his translation of the Bible, as he said, John the Baptist came to show everyone where to look. And John 1 makes some contrasts in 6 through 9 between John and Jesus. I want you to know that they are different. In fact, if you go to that next screen, just look at some of these. This contrast of Jesus was in the beginning, and that's in John chapter 1. So Jesus was, even way back then, John came as a witness. Jesus is called the Word. John is called a man. Jesus was the Word who was with God. He was God. John was sent by God. Jesus is the true light. John is a witness to the light. All right, so here's why I think this is important to the Christmas story. Because I bet most of you, when you start retelling the Christmas story... John the Baptist probably doesn't play a role in that. Yet most of the Gospels put John the Baptist somewhere early up in those Gospels to tell the story of who Jesus was and why he came into the world. The question I've wrestled with the last couple of weeks is just how and why did God use humanity to pave the way for Jesus to come into the world? Like, why John the Baptist? If you remove John the Baptist, you know what it does is it makes a better introduction for Jesus. Like somehow you could bring Jesus into the world and all of his splendor and beauty and power. Like why did you have to have another human being set the stage and pave the way and have this introduction to, to who Jesus is and why he came? And it's not just the question I've, that I really wrestled with. is not just how and why did God use humanity to pave the way for the salvation that comes through Jesus, but how and why does God still use humanity to pave the way for the salvation that comes in Jesus? So this word witness is a word that shows up a, a number of times in the New Testament. When it shows up, it shows up in the noun form 14 times and is a verb 33 times. So when witness is used, 14 times it's a noun, 33 times it's, an, it's a verb. It is something that you are or it is something you're in the process of becoming, but it's more so something you do. It's something that is lived out. All right, so the question I ask, not to induce guilt, but hopefully to provide a little bit of uh, maybe inspection, 
it, what kind of witness are you right now? How is your life bearing witness to the beauty and the power and the saving grace of Jesus? Because when you are invited into a relationship with God, God doesn't invite you in to be a statue for the kingdom of God. It's not just a statue that people look at. You are invited into this story to become a witness to the true light. And witnesses was a serious task back then, and it still is. It's something you take seriously. I mean, for John the Baptist, it meant that his head ended up on a platter. Now, hopefully that, that, that won't be something that happens to you. But back in Germany, in the days of Hitler, you had hundreds, thousands and thousands of Christians who lived in Germany. And what happened to so many of those Christians who lived in Germany is they, they still honored Jesus, but they sold out completely to the ways of Hitler. They would worship Jesus on Sunday mornings, and then they would turn in their Jewish neighbors on Monday. They would worship Jesus on Sunday, and then they're surrendering their allegiance to Hitler on Thursday. But you had this little group of Dietrich Bonhoeffer and others that have, been, have come to be known as the confessional Christians who believed that their confession to Christ meant that they were called to be witnesses for Christ, no matter what the cost. That they were called to be a light who pointed people to the true light. And many of those people ended up losing their lives because they took seriously what it meant to be a witness. And we are called to be these witnesses to the light. And I, I can't help but think, and why I love even how John, when he starts talking about Jesus coming into the world in the gospel of John, it's important for him to talk about John the Baptist paving the way because John the Baptist helped pave a way and set the stage for Jesus to come into the world who is ushering salvation into the world. And today God is still using you to pave the way for the salvation of Jesus to come to your neighbors and your co-workers, people throughout Shelby County and beyond, that you become this witness who sets the stage. And when we are faithful little lights pointing to the true light, what happens is that true light reflects in this world. And that light continues to come into the world. And it is alive and it is dynamic. And it's what the world needs. Uh, so now I want to ask the shepherds, if you will, get in, your, get in your places this morning. And for our prayer leaders, if you will, go to your places. And we're going to sing a song before we come to the table in just a moment. And we just have this time that we open up for you on Sunday mornings, just prayers of the people. What are the prayers of our hearts? And we create space for females to receive females, their shepherds to receive you for prayer. Up here to my right is Tommy Collier. If there's someone today who wants to surrender their lives to Jesus and this is a day you want to confess him as Lord and be baptized into Christ, we ask for you to come up here and join Tommy and myself. If you're in need of prayer, we have other places in this room, prayers for waiting, prayers to be more faithful witnesses to who Jesus is in and through us. But as a church, can we stand together and let's sing this song as a declaration and as a prayer as we continue our worship.